Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into the College Football Overtime Podcast. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon, and Abe, we got some breaking news. We're going to get to that here in just a second. We also got who's going to follow up from that breaking news that we're going to discuss here in a second. Uh, We have a future of collectives. Where are we going in this modern era of college football? And plus, we kind of jump into some transfer portal news and notes, all of that and more right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. But before we do any of that, like always, Abe Gordon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, uh, Garrett. You know, for a moment there, we had five national championship head coaches across college football, and in the blink of an eye, it's down to three. A bunch of craziness going on the past two weeks, man. It has been a fun time to be a college football fan. Abe Gordon, I'm a little frustrated with you, man, because that is the exact intro that I was going to be That's not good. I did not know that. Jim Harbaugh news. Stealing my thunder, man. We're a minute into this podcast, and I feel like, you already jumped on me, man. Come on. All right. But we got to get into this Jim Harbaugh news because yeah. Jim Harbaugh leaving for leaving Michigan for the L.A. Chargers. I almost said San Diego Chargers. I've done that for about the last week or so. But the Los Angeles Chargers now has a head coach. His name is Jim Harbaugh. He leaves the Michigan Wolverines. The legacy of Jim Harbaugh, I think, is an interesting one. Uh, nine seasons. Michigan went 89 and 25, but 40 and three over his last three seasons. Three straight wins over Ohio State. Three straight Big Ten championships, and he goes out on top. He won a national championship. Plus, I think that 27 and 20, the win over Alabama was just a, a marquee win in the Rose Bowl, 27 to 20. I feel like that was really the seminal moment of this program under Jim Harbaugh, where he reached the mountaintop. I understand he won a national championship the next week, but that win. It just seemed like it was a special moment for the entire Michigan program. Um, he replaces the Brady Hoke tenure. That was just not very good, you know, and, and it feels like 2014 was a long, long time ago. And we had a guy who who climbed in trees and had sleepovers with recruits and had weird comments about chickens and being a nervous bird and how it doesn't count as meat and everything else. He's an interesting fellow, but now he's back to the NFL and Michigan Wolverines are looking for answers. Well, a couple things there, Garrett. Uh, just to first off, I don't think we closed the book on the legacy of Jim Harbaugh yet. There is still um, some potential fallout from whatever went down this year yep. that I do think will fall ultimately on his name one way or another. Either, you know, if he gets cleared, if it's minor, it's irrelevant. But if it does spend this, uh, send this program into some sort of spiral, you do have to attach that to him. Y- yes, he brought the national championship did he also bring uh, a five-year death penalty or or whatever it is i'm not trying to be all doom and gloom here but i w- we'll see down the line exactly but it, uh, just just a reminder that is going to be tied to him as well look i'll be honest and i've said this from the very beginning garrett i don't think he wanted to leave michigan i think there were things he was looking for 
that they could not provide in their contract uh, in the discussion there. And I think the bottom line was they said, Jim, I'm sorry, we're we're just not going to be able to get this script into your contract. And he says, okay, I've got a job with a quarterback waiting for me in sunny Los Angeles. You can take your Ann Arbor temperatures and your winter weather, and I'll see you guys later. And look, it's a five-year deal. Uh, we do not have the numbers yet. Uh, Michigan is reported with in place to make him the highest paid coach in college football. We'll, we'll see what the numbers are mm-hmm. for the Chargers when it comes out. But uh, for, the, for the most point, you're right. This is a, uh, a, a, quote, Michigan man who took this team to the very top in his final season. And, and the the ultimate grade, I think, of some of these guys will not only be in their time with the program, but in what state they left the program. Mm -hmm. Um, We're expecting that Nick Saban has left the program. And I know there's been some stories and obviously the departures and transfer portal, but we expect Alabama still in a position to compete right now. Michigan's still in a position to compete. How does that possibly change with whatever penalties or punishment may end up coming from this Connor Stallions thing? So I, I do think, some of that is going to be tied, but obviously a huge loss. This is a guy who has brought, as you mentioned, Michigan to the very top. Um, and, and look, if he weren't leaving, it looked like they were primed to be at the very top for quite a while, along with Ohio State, who, who I think is going to put up quite a challenge too. But it'll be interesting now to see the next steps for the Michigan program. Uh, we talked about it, you know, just jokingly. Uh, I mean, only five schools had national title uh, head coaches. It's not easy to find those guys. It's not easy to keep or replace those guys. And Michigan has a tall task uh, in, in replacing what Jim Harbaugh has been able to do over the last number of years. I mean, what you said, I mean, it also contributes to the fact that like retaining these guys is difficult. It also speaks to how successful guys like Nick Saban have been. You know, I yeah. mean, the dudes won six national championships in the last decade or so. And it's just an incredible number of championships that he's won. Um, and then four of the others were won by uh, five of the others, I should say, including Mac Brown, uh, Mac Brown, Davis, Winnie and Kirby smart. It's a short list of, of, of coaches who have won championships. And that's hard. You know, that's, that's what 11 of 11 national championships. I mean, it's hard to win. It's really hard to win. And this day and age of college football, especially because, I mean, there's a lot of money in the sport. There's a there's a lot of eyeballs on this sport. And I think what he was able to do in this new era of college football was really interesting because you never really heard about Michigan being this big-time recruiting hotbed. You never heard about Michigan being a team that was diving into the portal and taking as many big people. What I found most interesting about Michigan is that they did it the old-fashioned way. This is a team that had blue collar workers who who came to work every day with their lunch pail and and they did what they needed to do. And it sounds kind of cliche and a little bit lame, but that's what Michigan was with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you look at these guys and there's not a lot of overwhelming talent. Like you you see guys who are talented, sure. Like JJ McCarthy might go in the first round of the NFL draft, maybe. Should he or shouldn't he? That's not going to be discussed on this podcast. It's not really for us to decide, but he's a good football player. He's a four-star recruit. He was a good player, you know? But at the end of the day, it's like, it's not like you're 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 bringing in loads of five stars. No, they did that in Columbus. And that's a team that you beat three years in a row. Like, it was that lunch lunch pail mentality, that band of brothers sort of mentality that they, they, they for better or for worse, it was Michigan against the world. And they did it better than anybody. And I, I was always very impressed with, with that side of it, you know? And I want to say their, their average recruiting ranking was somewhere like 10 or something like that. Like it's not, they lack, it's not, they lack talent. It's just the teams they consistently were competing with were the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the teams that were playing at the top of that talent rating. And that was never Michigan, you know, and, and Michigan still won a national championship. They, they still went 40 and three over their last, three seasons. And that's really just a credit to the type of culture that Jim Harbaugh brought to that program. As weird as he is, Duke can coach ball, you know, and at the end of the day, the the Chargers are getting a great head coach where I turn to now specifically is what's up next for Michigan. Uh, Sharon Moore. I mean, he's a shoe in for me, right? I mean, he's the guy who 
I feel like is already tapped to be the next head coach. Of, of course, reporters or reports have said uh, to two four seven. Like we have some sources who have said that he he was out on the recruiting trail and he's already been told to to immediately come back to Ann Arbor for discussions. I think it basically says what you needed to say. I mean, he's going to be the next head coach, but you have some weird news of something about the job that it may not be as simple as we think. Well, it, it is a statewide position, or I, I don't know what the actual legal terminology is, but it, it is a um, university policy. I, I guess that all jobs um, be posted for a minimum of seven days. And, and so we're looking now at a timeline of potentially a full week from tonight, Wednesday night, when we're doing this podcast. Um, we may not have uh, the announcement of Sharon Moore or whomever it may be, for another six days and 20 hours and however many minutes it's been since Harbaugh officially left. So there is that weird situation, but there's also um, a scenario where you can be uh, declare or request a waiver based on mm. quote legitimate business needs. And, and when I look at what happened in Alabama between the recruits that decommitted and went elsewhere between the players who have entered the transfer portal. I would argue that having a head coach hired quicker than seven days is a legitimate business need. So it will be very interesting to see um, one, if they abide by that policy two, if they ask for request and then maybe are granted that waiver. But I also have one follow-up question outside of that. And um I don't believe it to be the case. I'm just asking what I believe to be a fair question. Sure. Is there any scenario in which Sharon Moore turns this job down because he's concerned about possible um, infractions and no. possible penalties down the road? No. No, I, I would be very surprised. I, I don't believe so either. I just thought no. I would ask. No, I mean, it's a fair question, you know? I mean, yeah. it's something that there's a reason Jim Harbaugh's leaving, you know? Right. Like, it is... It's not quite what Pete Carroll was at USC back in the mid two thousands. I know the last time they gave a legitimate was on this podcast was maybe when we were yeah. maybe what last time we saw each other, last time we discussed it. This is very similar to to what Pete Carroll did in the mid two thousands. He left USC high and dry, and they got slapped in the face with sanctions, and it was brutal for a number of years. And um, yeah. really, truly, they're still looking to recover. I mean, they they won a Rose Bowl once, but Outside of that, there's they still really have not re returned to the promised land of, of that level of dominance. And they went through some bad years. And I would not be surprised if Michigan does end up getting slapped with some sanctions of some kind. Yeah. I'd be surprised if it goes quite as deep as it did at, at, at USC. Correct. And those guys were damn near inches away from the death penalty. Yeah. Like, was it an exaggeration of the time? Yeah, of course it was. But especially when you look at what Ohio State's doing right now, which we'll discuss here in just a second, but it was a little ridiculous at the time. But Sharon Moore, I, I think, is a shoe, and he was 6-0 as the interim head coach. He was the offensive coordinator the last two years, really the two best years of offensive football that that team has played under Jim Harbaugh. It's no coincidence that he comes up and it just the, the players love him, yeah, the coaches love him. The fans love him. The boosters love him. He's going to have tons of support. And if they get slapped with sanctions, I don't think people are going to blame Sharon Moore. This is a program that if they feel that you are one of theirs, if you're one of their own, if you will, Michigan will rally around you and support you. They did this. They did it with Bo for a number of years, a number of years. They did it with Jim Harbaugh for, for almost a decade eight years or so before he was actually not seven years before he was able to get up off the mat and, and finally put together a winning product. He, he had a losing record in 2020 and they still didn't fire him. Look, this is a place that's extremely loyal. It's extremely loyal. They're not going to go fire somebody just to fire somebody. Jerome Moore is going to have a good, a, a somewhat strong level of job security. He's going to have the job here soon. And I think it'd be almost foolish to, to leave that sort of situation because you might get hit with sanctions. If you get hit with sanctions, you can leave. If you want to do that, then do it. But I don't, it would be foolish in my opinion for somebody to prematurely react to something that hasn't happened. You know, I get the job has to be posted for seven days. They're, they're going to get the job. I mean, he's, he's already got the job. I, I mean, yeah, 
I, look, I, I, I do think he does need to consider some of the variables here in this. Uh, the, the penalties being one. Um, and then well, what, what are what the is penalties? It? My, my well, thing, the the p- penalties? potential of penalties, the possibility yeah, but, of penalties. Yeah, fine. But you can't, you can't just completely penalties ignore penalties all the time. That, that's fine. I mean, like you get probation or you get slapped with scholarship production. And from what I've read, they'll be a lot more serious than people expect. I, I sure. agree it won't be a death but penalty. But we don't but, know. But, but that's the no, thing. We, we can't react know. to something that we don't know what it is. Uh, and then the other question I have is we know what they were prepared to pay Jim Harbaugh. They were prepared to make him the highest paid coach in all of college football. Jed Fish just signed a deal at Washington. Uh, they're going to be entering the Big Ten for just <clears throat> under eight mil per year. That's so much money. It, it, is that? But, but the question is for Sharon Moore, who they feel like is their guy, won't say no. Just don't lowball the guy. Like, like we 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 may play around with the words, right? Like, mess around and find out. Like, don't lowball the guy <laughs> to the point where he says, you know what? Maybe I will go be OC for the Chargers under Harbaugh for a year and take an NFL job my damn self. You know what I mean? So, uh, if you're gonna do this, if you're uh, the university, like, play this thing straight up. Get that man his money. He deserves it. He was nearly as big a reason you won a national championship this year as Jim Harbaugh was. Um, don't play around with this. I agree with you. It's an easy decision to make. It's an easy offer. Uh, it's an easy contract to write up. Get the guy what he needs to win and go ahead and move forward and do it as quickly as possible. It, it seems like a no-brainer from them for the school's perspective. Sure. And and for my perspective, for Sharon Moore, I, I do think you look, try and figure out what the possibility of penalties are. But at the same time, I do still think it's a no-brainer for him as well. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think he's a good enough coach that he's going to have opportunities to go do that. I mean, it, Michigan is. And you have to know that if you do get penalized, like that just increases your leash and increase, they're not yeah, going to sure. bail on you uh, at, at that time. So uh, you'll be able to fight your way out of it. I, I think that will play a role itself, too. Yeah. And I think that his experience, I understand Jim Harbaugh was still coaching during the week. He just wasn't there on the sidelines right. for the games, you know? So it's like, was it really technically a suspension? Sort of, I guess. He wasn't managing the entire program. We'll see. We'll see. Um, is he? But I thought you were going to ask me, is he going to command as much as Jed Fish did? No, he won't. Uh, I understand that Michigan's a bigger program. I understand it's a bigger legacy program. But you also can't throw him under sub-6 million either. Yes, you can. You absolutely You think can. so? Yes. You think Sean Moore's going to make like four and a half no, million? No, I mean, I'm saying you can offer him that, and then you can make your negotiations. A low ball is under four million dollars because that's unbecoming of the head coach of the Michigan will yeah yeah and if you're paying a guy that much then he doesn't need to be your head coach I'm sorry it's I, not, I, I just think all Michigan respect, feels, this isn't Georgia Tech paying their coach like, I feel like Michigan dollars. feels they have all this power in, in what I we presume is upcoming negotiations and I would just be careful with that idea with that mindset that's all I'm suggesting because I understand if you do lowball no, him if you don't give him any any protections from penalties stuff like that there might be a grass is greener elsewhere. So just play it yeah. smart. It should make this an easy decision, right? Like you're not going to break the bank. You were ready to pay Harbaugh 12 million. We're, we're only looking for half that. So don't, don't You'll be make crazy. About five, six million. Yeah. yeah, yeah and that's fine. Be in just, that level. Yeah. And, 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 and his staff will get paid too. So sure. um, and, j- and just look, make it an easy. Yes. Yeah. Don't make it more complicated than it needs yeah. to be. If you're the brain trust there at Michigan. Yeah, the next big decision for Michigan, obviously, once Sharon Moore is hired. Uh, who's your defensive coordinator? Jesse Minter's off to the NFL. Likely. It's not official, but very little is official before we can pontificate as to what's going to be happening next. Jesse Minter's off to the NFL. He's going to be the defensive coordinator uh, for Harbaugh on the Chargers. Jay Harbaugh was also expected to follow him. He was the special teams coordinator and the safeties coach. So, that, those are the only two big departures that they have that are expected to be gone. Uh, but Sharon Moore is going to be passed with some big decisions. That and he needs to retain and actively recruit the roster that has already been just truly decimated. A, this is a group that's lost already 20 players to the draft. They lost 16 starters. Like they're only returning six guys. And Donovan Edwards is one who I'm not even including as a starter. He right. was technically second fiddle, not technically. He he played second fiddle to Blake Corum, still rushed for – or had 746 scrimmage yards this past season, five touchdowns. 
He had a big time national championship game performance. He's coming back for his senior year. He just announced that this past week. And that's a big win. Assuming he stays because he can still turn around and transfer into the transfer portal. He can't go to the draft anymore because that, th that date passed. You, you had to declare about this time last week. Uh, Colston Loveland, 45 catches, the tight end. He had 649 yards as a sophomore. Another sophomore, defensive lineman, Mason Graham. Impact player as a freshman, did it again as a sophomore. Had 36 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss. Three sacks as a sophomore on the defensive line. And then you have Will Johnson, of course, who is probably the best player who's coming back to your team. He was a, an All-American. He's a sophomore. He has two years of eligibility remaining. He's one of the best returning players in all of college football. Dude's an All-American as a sophomore. You've got to retain this guy. Will Johnson is his name, and he's probably the most important piece on that defense, who is losing his head coach. He's losing his defensive coordinator, and he's losing his, his defensive backs coach. So that's going to be a big deal for a lot of these guys at this program. Uh, I, I, maybe these guys stick around. They have one more year. Uh, maybe they want to go out with – stay at Michigan. I don't know. They've already accomplished a lot of the big things that they need to accomplish. and Maybe they depart. Maybe they don't. We'll see. But retaining these guys because the 30-day window is now open. And that's one of the biggest reasons why Sharon Moore needs to get this job now. Yeah, and that goes back to that waiver for, quote, yes. legitimate business reasons. I think you can argue that, uh, again, um, not that Alabama can't rebound, but but the, the hit, the sort of hit that program took, the sort of hit it appeared Washington was going to take, um, it's not much different at, at Michigan. Now, I, I will say this. I expect Michigan to take a significant step back uh, this year, uh, whether it's Jerome Moore or even if Harbaugh had stayed, if we're going to be honest and open about what they were losing. And I just did not think that they were going to quite have the pieces because they, they are losing so much. And I don't believe they're on the level that Georgia is on where they can replace and rebuild um, without lowering the, the quality there. So um, yeah, to your point, this the, the few talented players they do have returning um, it is immensely important that they get yeah. coming back. But um, at the same time, I feel like it's a real easy recruit to say, look, we know, you know, not going to be winning a championship again. Come play for us. Let's let's give it a go here. We're, we're in a better position, blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it just goes right back to what you said, uh, that they've got to get their head coach settled quickly, and he's got to start re-recruiting or whatever he needs to do um, because they, they, they don't have the talent to afford the losses that Alabama did. I, I look, Alabama's going to feel some impact, but they should generally be okay because of the depth and just the, the complete roster they have. Um, I don't know if I would say that about Michigan. No, probably not. And, and Michigan might be in kind of tough spot right now. <laughs> They're losing 16 starters. Yeah. Um, and the vast majority of their offensive production, most of their defensive production. And it's going to be a very interesting year. For Michigan next season, I, I think they'll be they'll be a good football team. Um, it's a big year for all of college football because, of course, you have the new additions to the Big Ten. You have Oregon, you have Washington, yeah. USC, UCLA, all these other programs coming into the Big Ten. We'll see where they actually stand because I think next year is going to be one of those that hopefully we don't do this on this podcast, but I, I, we might we might fall victim to it. Oregon comes in and and maybe they I don't I haven't seen the schedules. Maybe they play at some point. I don't know when they play. Right. But, they they go into the big house and they and they take them to the woodshed, you know, and, and be like, oh, here comes uh, Oregon, big stop. But I think we all need to take a breath and and realize that this isn't going to be the same Michigan team trotting out onto the field for Look, the head coach. I, I think in the way. first year of the twelve team playoff, just getting into a twelve team playoff would be an outstanding success for Michigan. I, I don't know if that's possible. I don't uh, know if they'll be able to be that losing. team next year. No, we'll I, I don't either. But I, I think if they were able to have that discuss, like. Just getting into the 12-team playoff for, for people at Alabama would feel like a, a disappointing season. Um, I know they'd like to be hosting a home playoff game, if not one of the top four seeds, whatever. We'll see if that's realistic or not. I, I think Michigan, just getting in, I think would feel like a win for them. Yeah, well, let's just get into this next generation. I think that's the next big step. But as far as speaking of the future, I, I want to get into one of the bigger things that I feel like kind of got glossed over. A little bit. I think it's something that's very interesting. Uh, former Buckeye, 
CJ Stroud. He contributes to the Buckeye Collective, the 1870 Society. He's going to become one of the founding members. Um, I think it was Cardell Jones was the other guy That's who right. founded this group. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's very interesting, too, because I like the idea of former players turning around and giving their money, some of the money that back to, to the, the place that groomed them, the, the place that set them up for success and, and really gave them Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply that leg up, especially the Ohio States, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the big dogs, the big programs. But it's also interesting that in a season where the Buckeyes, offseason really, $12 million spent on portal players and just recruiting in general. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And we're getting into the future of collectives here because the institutions and the athletic departments themselves cannot contribute funds. So basically what they're doing is they're looking to uh, Billy Joe and Sally Lou and saying, hey, you work a gas station job. You work a nine to five sales gig. You can donate 25 mo- uh, every single month and donate 1999 to the, the 1870 Society to help us win football games. Don't mind me. I have my eight figure media deal that I'm not allowed by NCAA regulations to go contribute to my name, image, and likeness fund to pay the guys who just got me that eight figure deal with me, with whatever media company X. But instead now we've got former players doing it. And I think it's interesting. I like that idea. I think it's a, it's pretty interesting for me, but they spent $12 million on, on recruits, the top funded organizations spending around 10 million and most are sitting between four and 8 million. Ohio State, again, leading the charge on a lot of this stuff. And they really weren't in this pool of, play, of, of paying players for a while. This is all very fresh. And I think it's very interesting that they turn to former players. And the former players, they'd all donate fifty dollars to $100,000. And very interesting. Could we be seeing a glimpse into what could be in college football? Well, yeah, and look, I've always said there will be a a figured out period with these collectives or with the yeah. NIL or with the transfer portal, and I think we're in that stage right now. Two things um, immediately jumped to my mind is uh, are are the members who are donating to the collective going to feel um, like their money was well spent, uh, like it was worth it? At what point do they decide they want a little bit more control over how that money is spent. I think that's an aspect that needs to be figured out here. Here's the bigger concern for me, Garrett. And it, again, I don't know the inner workings of every single collective, at every school. It feels like they are wide, wide open to um, be fraud or be a scam and get yeah. people's monies. And, and it's just, I just feel like donating that sort of money um, can get dangerous. Uh, we've seen this across all sorts of businesses um, where people find ways people to, to get you money, give your money, um, and then they legally withdraw it, and it never goes to what it's supposed to go to. I, I would just be very, very wary. I'm not saying every collective in every school, but I, I do wonder how long it'll be till we see every once in a while this collective had six million dollars and now it's all gone and you're just like well we tried to tell you man um and i hate to tie like to be arizona who just misplaces 240 million dollars yeah and and i'm not trying to tie ohio state in that that's the 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 story we're referencing Mm but i I do wonder it it just feels Mm -hmm. like there's probably a lot more um 
control and policy to still come regards to the uh, collectives. And um, it just feels too startup-y for me. Um, so I, I look, I would be very careful. Um, but I can't say this. I do appreciate and I, I do think, I don't know if responsibility is the right term, um, but, I, but I can respect players giving back to the programs that got them where they are, especially if they are um, in the upper echelon of, of uh, professional football players like C.J. Stroud seems to be stepping mm-hmm. into. Um, but, but if you told me that, you know, Trevor Lawrence, whenever he signs his next max extension, gives a little bit to Clemson. I can understand that. Uh, same thing for, um, you know, Brock Bowers, maybe not on his rookie deal, but on his second deal, stuff like hey man, that. Man, 1% of the Braves Foundation. Well, I was going to joke about that. Like, like that that's a running joke in regards to the Atlanta Braves, for those who yeah. don't know. Uh, it seems like every uh, extension with a current Braves member, um, they've agreed to donate one to the Braves Foundation. I'm wondering, like, with some of these coach – now, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure a coach can't officially put money into his own collective but uh you do kind of wonder if there's there's a little bit of that uh at some point down the road yeah it's it's interesting of where we are in college football right now it's i i hate calling it a crossroads i just it's not we're just moving down we've already chosen the road we just need to figure out where i think it's just a long feeling out period for a number of different aspects of the game um I, i i mentioned i think nil will figure itself out at some point. Yeah. I think the transfer portal will figure itself out. There, there is a return to normalcy at some point, mm-hmm. uh, but I just don't know how long that period is. And same I, I thing wonder, with collectives. Yeah, and I and I wonder, I, I wonder when this starts to have its effect on coaches. I know we've talked, we, we started the podcast off. Saban retired because about, of it, so it's already had it. Exactly. Effect. Like we talked about, th- like this entire offseason has been decided by coaches saying enough is enough and I'm done. Yeah. And Maybe it's because they thought the NFL is a better option opportunity for him, Jim Harbaugh. Maybe it's because they were tired of dealing with all the crap and the off-field stuff that has well reared its ugly head, Nick Saban. And I wonder, I wonder when we, you know, take a look when we take back take a look back at this era of college football. I wonder what we're gonna see, and. Uh, of course, there's no way for us to ever know it. And I, I just think it's it's just a, a wild time. I, I think we're in that transitionary period. And we've talked about that on this podcast. We're going to look back at this and be like, what the hell was going on there? And until we get all of it under control, until we figure out something to get this stuff to work, I don't really know where we're going. I, I think, and I'll say this again, I, I've said this before. I said this on our show, uh, College Football Game Time. And look. We need somebody in charge of the sport. I don't mean an NCAA director. I don't mean somebody who, uh, I don't know. Brian Baker's fine. He's whatever. But the NCAA is worthless. And what you need you is want, you want a commissioner of college football. I need a commissioner of college yeah. football. I need somebody who's there to call the shots. Somebody who's interested. Because you have a Greg Sankey, a, a, a guy, the SEC commissioner. Mm-hmm. He is interested in the best interests of the Southeastern Conference. Because yeah. that's his job. That's what he's paid yep. to do. That yep. his employers are the commit are the, the the presidents of the institutions of the SEC. Yet at the same time, he holds the keys to the future of college football, and he's not representing the interests of college football. And when you have to walk that line of, all right, we need to expand the college football playoff. Okay, well, what are we going to expand it to? I think a healthier, more rational number would have been six or eight. But you have guys like Greg Sankey who are looking out for the Southeastern Conference. And I don't know how you can make large-scale decisions with the interest of one subsect, one vacuum. That's it. And that, that's, your, that's your party right there. I'm supporting them. But then this decision here affects everybody. And that's where we are in college football right now. And you have one, two, three, four people who are interested in protecting their silos and not the integrity of the entire sport. And I think it is damaging to where we are as a college football base. It's where we're, I don't know where we're going. There's no vision. There's no Roger Goodell. There's no Adam Silver. There's nobody there to be the mouthpiece of our sport. There isn't one. And I think it's a detriment to where we are. 
yeah, two two things, or, 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 or I mean, I guess it's all one point with two sides to that is, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I also think that there needs to be clarity on um, preserving and what's doing best for the sport versus what makes the most money for the sport. And, yes. and those two ideals are not always the same thing. The commissioners of each conference right now are are based on what can make us the most money, which is not the same as what's best for the sport of college football. So mm -hmm. uh, if there were a commissioner, I, I think you have to understand the different rules you'd be playing by. It has to be about, as you mentioned, the long-term preservation of the sport, not um, you know a quick pump and dump to make as much money as possible. Which which is where we are. I mean, like individually with conferences and with specific because, institutions, well, because, that is exactly where we are. You're right. Because the NFL, I'm just going to use the NFL as an example. Football, football, fine, whatever. The NFL signs a deal with Amazon. Everybody gets a piece of that pot. College football signs yeah. a deal with, oh, wait, not college football. The SDC signs a deal with ESPN. Um, the Pac-12 Pac that ceased to exist couldn't get a deal done. So they disappear. And it's robbed Ten, from the poor and, and, and keep like gets to the and rich. So it's like you have yeah. little silos and everything else is weird and, and you're negotiating different funds and, and so you're, you're put into weird windows and none of it makes any damn sense. None of it makes sense. Well, again, and realistically, you are maximizing your money, but is it what's best for the sport? Those are not the same thing. Not the and same so thing. That, that's where you'd have to have some common ground <laughs> if there were to be um, some sort of leader or mouthpiece or, or commissioner. Mm -hmm. SAR, whatever word you want to use for it. Whatever word you want to use. But I think we're, we're, we're in a weird spot in college football just in, gen just in general. And I think until we... Well, the, good, the good news, though, Garrett, the good news is there, there's a lot of these situations you're referring to. But you've also got a sport that's never been more popular than it is now. And it's only continued to grow in popularity. And we'll have to see the impact of some of the realignment, stuff like that. But... There was a time not too long ago where college football was behind the NBA, behind the NHL, behind Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, I would argue right now it's certainly obviously behind the NFL, but um, in, in national popularity, maybe behind the NBA. Um, th th that's become a wildly popular sport now um, nationally, but it, it might be third. It might have passed hockey and baseball by now. I think it's it might second be second. I don't know. I think it's second. I think it's second because this yeah. this nation is an infatuation with football just in general. And I think that's just where we stand with that. And the eyeballs are there, but, but it, but it is getting stronger. So we're not, I know there's some concerning aspects, but at the same yeah. time, it's, it, it is not like in a precarious position as a sport. I want to make sure that we're not in a bubble. And I, that's where I'm concerned a little bit to where things are right now. And once a bubble pops, you know, and, and I'm worried that that's where the, the sport is going. And and until you get it under control, like until you get, I'd say, some form of collective bargaining into the sport. Until we get to that level and, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. But, I mean, we the only people who don't view the, the athletes as employees are the schools themselves. And until we get to that level, there's no real way to govern. And yeah. I'd say until they break off and do their own thing. And <laughs> college football is its own animal. There's March Madness in, in basketball, and that's great. There's a college World Series, and that's great. Yeah, Nothing compares to what college football is. Everything pales. Everything pales. As far as the money-making, it's unprecedented. It's in a league of its own. Yeah. You look at the Kentucky basketball program versus the Kentucky football program. The football program pales into – to, to what the Kentucky basketball team is. The football team makes makes infinitely more money. It's not even close. Not yeah. remotely close. The TV deals and the eyeballs and everything else in the sport. And until they figure out where they are right now, they have to figure out those things before we can ever figure out where the future of the sport is going. But with that, let's get into a little bit more of our macro conversation on the micro scale, the transfer portal. It'll be very interesting. We 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 talked about Ohio State and the, and the future potential of collectives. Well, let's talk about some of the guys that they have added from the transfer portal. They have been deep into the transfer portal. Of course, the head coaching ranks. You bring in Bill O'Brien to call plays. 
on offense. And then as far as the players are concerned, Caleb Downs, the number one safety of the number one running back in Quinshawn Judkins. You have one of the top overall prospects in quarterback, Will Howard, who's going to come lead your offense next season. But then Julian Sayan is the most recent addition. The class of 2024 quarterback who enrolled early at Alabama is now at Ohio State. And he's likely going to be backing up Will Howard and, and potentially taking a red shirt. He's going to compete with Aaron Nolan to see who's going to be the backup guy behind Will Howard. I think it's a very interesting move. If I were Aaron Nolan, I'd be a little pissed off, but that's not for me to decide. But Julian Zayn, the most recent addition for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm actually really interested to see how they play this out. Uh, I, I am very interested to see if Howard has just handed this job or if they have a real camp competition uh, but between the three of them, uh, it, not just saying and, and Howard, but Nolan as well, as you mentioned, I, I am very interested to see how that plays out. Uh, you know, we could be another year down the road. Someone wins the job and someone else heads to the transfer porter, uh, portal again. Um, but it, it's been very interesting to see what Ryan day is able to accomplish. And, and, in a, it just, we've talked about it. Like we don't need to go through the whole situation, but this is a must have year for Ryan day. And, and, yeah. Between the portal stuff and the guys he's got to come back to college, guys that uh, either could have left the portal in the portal or could have potentially gone to the NFL, um, it, it just seems to be lining up. He's got to get the job done, though. Yeah, this is a team that's loaded on defense. I think they might have, with Jim Knowles there as the defensive coordinator, they've completely changed I, I, look, the culture of that. If program. we were ranking teams right now, they would be number two, in my opinion, behind say, the Georgia I think Bulldogs. they're a clear number two. Yeah, Clearly and, and so this this has to be the year that they put it all together. I think so. Uh, and and they're, they're going to win on defense like they did last year, and I think Will Howard, if he's able to take them to that next level on offense, yeah, it's natty or bust in Columbus, Ohio. It is. Uh, yeah, it is. Another big one, Will Rogers, uh, the former Mississippi State Bulldog who threw for more than 12,000 yards and almost 100 touchdowns. Uh, he transferred up to go to – Played football with Kalen DeBoer. He even dressed out for the national championship game. Technically, I mean, he had a jersey on. Um, didn't have pads. Can't play. But he was on the sideline. And then he jumped to the transfer portal as soon as Kalen DeBoer opts to leave. And I was cons- I-, I thought about the 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 prospect of him becoming the top quarterback out on the market. And it seems like everything else dried up pretty quickly. Not a lot of people needed anything. He listened to offers, and now he's staying at Washington. And I think that's the first big win for Jed Fish. Yeah, look, uh, we talked about it, uh, and I want to spoil it. There was a big win for Kalen DeBoer as well. Uh, th- mm-hmm. This was the first big win for uh, Fish. And, and you mentioned it. Rodgers goes in, back into the portal after Kalen DeBoer leaves. And, and I do think he was just, is there anything even out here? Uh, and ultimately, I think the answer was no. Um, you know, Cam yeah. Ward goes to Miami, uh, a couple other uh, spots get taken. And I just, I ultimately think, uh, he didn't have an offer or a situation that suited him. Um, and he, I'm sure he talked with fish and figured a couple things out and, um, you know, maybe got a little bit of extra NIL money once, uh, you know, some other guys, uh, departed and, and, uh, return. Uh, but, but you're right. I, I think this is an important get for Jed fish to, find some stability they, they need a guy they can trust at the quarterback position it's going to be a tough year losing everything they lost both to the nfl and through the transfer portal new head coach you're jumping into a new conference a much more difficult conference the last thing you need is to be rolling out a quarterback you don't trust uh, and so to at least have that settled for jed fish in his first season um is going to be really important to to building a base and stability for that washington huskies program yeah, and and you're looking at the Huskies too. I just googled their roster really quickly, and oh boy, it's not quite Michigan bad, but Ooh. but they've lost. A no, lot. it's yeah, I think it's 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 right up there. Um, yeah, it's it's really bad. Um, but Jed Fish, I do want to say this before I move into my other big thing. Uh, there, Demon Williams, he's joining Jed Fish. He's going to be the backup quarterback. He was a uh, uh, he was going to be the freshman up there to to, to back up. Noah Fafita at Arizona, and he follows uh, his, his, I guess, he wasn't really his old head coach, but I guess the guy who recruited him at Arizona, he follows him up to Washington. And, and look, one of the other big things that why Rodgers stayed is because of the offensive acumen of Jed Fish. And he's he looked and saw what he did with Noah Fafita this past season at Arizona. He sees 
that he's an experienced NFL play caller. He's a guy who was a quarterback coach at the, at the highest level in the sport, and he develops quarterbacks at a high level. And I think Will Rogers saw that. He's entering his third different third system in three years. And the reason he's comfortable doing that is because of Jet Fish. And I think Jet Fish is a great hire, but he needs some grace in his first season as he tries to put the pieces back together um, after Kalen DeBoer left. And, and look, look that, that team was going to be losing a lot of talent, but it's brutally bad. I, I just looked at their Our Lads, which I don't know if you use Our Lads. It's, yeah. it's a great service. They don't even have a right guard listed. There's no, there's nobody there. No one's there. They have a Joe Moore offensive line last year. They lost all five starters. All five of them are gone to the draft or, or to the transfer portal. One of those is the one that I'm actually going to get into right here. Parker Brazelford. He follows Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. He started all 15 games as a red shirt freshman. So he's going to have another three years of eligibility for Alabama. If he so chooses zero starters on that offensive line. Just brutal. But then you're also losing your kick returner and your number four wide receiver, uh, Jeremy Bernard. Second, It's their second edition in the last two days, these two guys. Um, it's his third transfer. He's, he's He was at Michigan State the year before. Now he's heading – then he headed to Washington. Now he's heading to Alabama. And, look, that's big for an Alabama room that's that's losing Isaiah Bond. It's losing Ja'Cory Brooks. It's, it's losing Jermaine Burton. This dude was – Pretty solid in a, in a really crowded wide receiver room. And, and he offers you a little bit of everything because he can play special teams. Guys who can be electric on special teams and still come out and make make plays on offense. Those guys are really, really valuable. And that wide receiver room really needed a boost. Yeah, it, it's um, for, for Kalen, there's been a couple of things that have settled down a little bit of like immediate panic. Um, but like, like you said, not the case for Jed fish yet and not yeah. the case for a couple other things. You know, the, the most interesting thing to me is because of this, um, extremely late coaching carousel. And, and as we've discussed earlier, it may not even be done. If something happens and to run more, isn't the choice you can, you can keep spinning that thing a little bit, but be very interesting to see when the portal opens back up in spring. Yeah. Um, some of these programs who are going to use the portal that traditionally probably don't need depth at this point, don't need starters at this point. But, um, you know, is Alabama going to go into a, a mid-major program and, and grab their best offensive lineman and say, we'll give you some NIL money. I know they can't match it. Come on over. Um, same thing for Washington. Same thing for a number of different programs. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, the impact of this late coaching carousel on the spring um, or, or fall, early fall, whatever the timeline, whatever you want to describe right. it as transfer portal, um, because it's going to be open. And, and I think you've got some big boys who are going to be hunting and NIL money is going to be flowing um, specifically at Bama and Washington. Um, the two programs that seem to have been hurt most recently. Uh, it's going to be flowing everywhere. I mean, it's going to be a big deal. I mean, the, the way that everything has happened, I think, is 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 going to be very interesting to see what teams do. And then you're going to have your freshmen and underclassmen who are potentially fighting for jobs, or maybe the guys who get replaced by underclassmen. They're going to be looking for new jobs, and and it's it opens on April fifteenth. It's going to be open for fifteen days, and it closes on April thirtieth. And it's going to be very interesting. I think specifically for the reason that you mentioned, because of these late coaching carousel moves. It makes it very fascinating because you really don't know who's going to jump into the portal. Maybe some of these recruits are, are going to give this new regime an opportunity to win them over, and maybe they don't. Maybe they say, well, this is just not what I was promised. This is not what I was expecting. Maybe I was promised X, Y, and Z, and now I'm not going to get that. And I think it's going to be something to watch here in the coming months. But I do also want to mention one note. You mentioned this actually when we were preparing. Ryan Williams, the five-star wide receiver, yeah. he recommits to Alabama. I talked about Jeremy Bernard being a big win. Ryan Williams has a chance to come in and be an instant impact player for that Alabama offense who I think could be a pretty good group, man. I think that they could be a lot of fun, um, you know, because you got a quarterback in Jalen Milrow who's coming back. We'll see what they end up doing on offense. I think they're going to be a good team. I, I think a lot of people are foolishly counting out Alabama. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be that 
Nick Saban level of consistency over the course of 10 to 15 years. That's also not normal. That's not human. It's not something that anybody should be coming to expect at any level of college football. But I do think that Kalen DeBoer is going to be able to win at a high level at Alabama because he's never had this level of funding or, or this amount of talent that has surrounded him on this ro- on a roster. And Alabama's got talent. I think he's going to convince these guys to stick around. They're going to be a pretty damn good football team. But last one, I, I do want to keep it in the SEC. I just want to give this a shout-out because Lance Hurd, the offensive lineman, big, big-time offensive lineman, six foot six, 340-pound tackle. He started – or he played – in 12 games for LSU, he started one against Army. True freshman. Now he's going to head up uh, to good old Rocky Top. He's going to play at Tennessee. Former five-star player. I think that's a big deal. Anytime you get a guy just literally of that size, it's a big deal, pun intended. But Tennessee's looking to continue to bolster that front. Yeah, two things. I, w- I want to go back to Ryan Williams just really quickly. And, and I think just – I know you mentioned the Bernard transfer. This was just the like first real piece of solid footing that Kalen DeBoer has taken yeah. at Alabama. This is the first kind of sense of like, we don't need to panic. It's going to be okay. We're not losing our top recruits. We're going to be able to recruit. It was a really nice positive sign for the future of Alabama football. So I will say that about Ryan Williams. It was important for him to make that decision on DeBoer's half. Okay. Uh, now, in, in terms of Lance Hurd going to Tennessee, uh, this is a situation where you're welcoming a five-star quarterback that has not had much um, experience, and it's all going to be on Nico this year. You want him to be able to trust his offensive line. Yeah. Um, and when you bring in a guy like Hurd, that, that's kind of what you're doing. You're saying, hey, man, we're going to take care of you. As a coaching staff to your quarterback, we're going to take care of you. Put Put your trust in us. Learn from us. Let us guide you. We're going to get you through this. And, and when you pick up a guy like that, it should bolster the confidence of Nico that that staff is doing everything they can to provide for him. Um, and, and so you, you think that offense is going to be in a pretty good position now, um, assuming you know the talent evaluators were right uh, about him. Yeah, and I think it's a big move for them. And I think – yeah. Look, I mean, you're Tennessee, and I think Tennessee's geared up to, to have a pretty good season here. Um, this next they got some year, good so. receivers returning too. They so. got some. They got some good cats, man. They got yeah. some good cats. They got a pretty good quarterback too, and I think this is the most talented quarterback that they've had at Tennessee since Peyton Manning. So, the big, big, big expectations for this young man up there at Rocky Top. But we'll see what happens there. And uh, we're gonna have tons of time to discuss all of this stuff right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. We got a, a long off season, but you know what? If anything, if everything is as jam-packed as this show, what's the offseason? We don't I don't even like that word. It's a bad word on this show. But you know what? We still got a lot to talk about. We got a lot of fun that we're gonna have all off-season long. So make sure you're subscribed. Drop a like down there. Drop us a comment. Give us uh give us feedback. If there's something that you want us to cover, drop a comment. Just let us know what you think. And uh we'll try to get to it here in the next coming weeks as uh, we move through this offseason, the long barren period. And that's not quite so barren, not in this day and age of college football, at least. Thank you so much for joining us right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. For Abe Gordon, my name is Garrett Chapman. We are College Football Overtime. See you again very soon.